everybody and welcome to the EC Method. I am one of your coaches, Chloe Maidley. And I am your other coach, Emma Story Gordon. Our goal at the EC Method is to encourage, educate and empower you to get the results that you've always wanted. Listen to our weekly podcasts, go to our website, theecmethod.co.uk or simply follow us on Instagram to get more information. if you put watermelon but it's watermelon flavored and it's watermelon like, i'm it's drinking watermelon yes. water it's the well, best all right we're, we're also live as well hello oh, okay. group hello group we're talking about any, my energy drink which is oh as you guys know i work with grenade ah i'm wayne's world mm. and, and so what like tell me cal's how many calories oh it's really good so it the the macro breakdown is 11 calories per serving um but it's all from protein and i don't i haven't actually read the breakdown oh who oh it's bcaa that's why um this is what i don't get this right and knocko is so um popular at the moment especially in crossfit yeah Yeah. why the fuck in 2020 are people drinking bcaas i know like i get if if it's caffeine great but why are you putting bcaas in it when we know to do the thing it's got okay so this has got caffeine electrolytes uh including magnesium potassium and sodium bcaa 211 taurine uh and that's it so basically so it's 11 11 calories and then it's a 1.4 protein 0.14 salt obviously that's the um, like 1.4 protein what's the point like what is the point in that oh it's very strange but But i will say this it is the tastiest motherfucking energy drink I've ever had. And they were, sorry, I shouldn't say that. That was a, a bit intense. Sorry, sometimes I forget that we're on a live. Um, uh, I, but basically, I was saying to Emma, they don't put on the tin that it's watermelon flavored because apparently watermelon doesn't sell. But I'm like, it's the tastiest energy drink I've I, ever had. It's like refreshing. But watermelon doesn't, like, watermelon flavor does not taste like watermelon. I don't I know, know what it, it tastes, tastes like, but it's amazing. A beach. Like you dig under a beach and then drink, and this is what you get. I like. It's I'm pretty sure happy. if you dig under a beach and drink, it's like shit water. No, it's not. It's uh, it's rum from Jack Sparrow's collection. <laughs> <laughs> I love that scene. I was like, this is my dream. <laughs> Be like, well, now we know that Johnny Depp is a psycho. Probably not. <laughs> but my dream would have been to be on a beach with Johnny Depp, dressed as a pirate, drinking rum for like all eternity. Well, there you Evidently. Go evidently not in reality um actually this actually leads me on to a really nice point that i really wanted to start the <laughs> does live because it, it doesn't yeah. does it <laughs> no, it does. like this yeah. is a really smooth transition into a point i wanted to make okay go it does oh yeah wait till you hear it all right okay, sorry. just wait okay so on last week's questions we had two questions that uh were about this topic and today in the facebook group i was talking to one girl about this topic and i'm pretty sure they're all separate people and i wanted to flag it okay we all know that I love alcohol, right? We all know I love a drink. I would say, like, if you look at the posts I did on the Facebook group about my birthday, I managed to basically have a glass of champagne, like three glasses of rosé, um, and be within my calories. And I had protein and veg in every meal throughout the day. I got my workout in, got my steps in. I'm, hit, I'm ticking all my boxes, okay? And if I can squeeze in some alcohol to a celebratory event or if I'm, like, hanging out with friends or on a date night with James, great. But there are some people who I think have misinterpreted this as um 
when you're stalling or you're plateaued or nothing's happening, you know, going over calories here or there by drinking or squeezing it into your diet, even though you're not progressing and you're not getting where you want to get, um, it's fine because maybe because I do it too or because Emma and I are saying we're preaching balance, which is accurate. But let me be really, really clear. Alcohol is a suboptimal choice of calorie intake to your day. And if you have a reason to actually tighten it up and knuckle down, as in you're stalling, you're plateauing, you're training, even if you find that you're having bad training sessions or you find that the, you know, the results that you want aren't coming through, those calories that you're getting balanced with should be the first thing to go. And we even have people asking if they should drop calories while admitting that they're not being 100% on track with their diet, some of them via alcohol, some of them via other things. Um, Listen, I have been doing this for nine years. Like I kind of know what I'm doing. And if you find that you aren't getting anywhere by kind of fitting things in or squishing things in, you have to, to take that data and that information on board and stop doing it. And I'm sorry if I've given the wrong impression, but um, I hope that makes sense. No, I agree. I actually just spoke to someone about if they should drop their calories, but they said within the, the question, you know, I've not been consistent the last couple of weeks like maybe I've gone over a bit but should I drop and this is something that like really inexperienced coaches do they're like right you're not losing weight so we drop your calories no no yeah. no like what's going on are you even sticking to what we gave you in the first place because there's no point making it harder when you haven't stuck to it in the first place and that's not to be like you're not sticking to it you need to stick to it like this is part of the process we help you find ways to stick to your calories it's not about lowering your calories it might just be about finding a way to stick to the calories that you've already been set. Exactly. And like, you know, you, I, I, a lot of the time, actually, with some, with some clients who are being really wishy-washy and really up and down with it, sometimes it's a good idea to even increase their calories so they can get some consistency, start hitting some numbers properly alongside the training, and then we can really see what's going on. Um, but yeah, I, I just wanted to make that clear because I feel like maybe I've given a bad impression, even though I do love no, alcohol. No, <laughs> I, like, I don't think that's the case. And it, it is hard. And I think a lot of the time people hear what they want to hear. So they're like, oh, Chloe drinks. It's absolutely fine. And and it is to a certain extent. But like you're very aware of the fact that if you drink a lot one week, you're probably not going to make much progress in your diet and your training is going to be affected. So you like you choose yeah. your indulgences, basically exactly um okay let's get going with the questions let's do it okay um this is quite a good one actually as coaches and now having done this for a couple of cycles of this program is there a normal slump period it's been interesting to see posts and see that some of us have hit a wall at the same time interested to know if there is a trend so I often find that like I've been doing group coaching for years and there is like a bit of a wobble week or a bit of a like hitting a wall where where and it tends to come between like week four and week six and we actually have something in place for the next intake to sort of make sure things are tightened up there so it's going to be a bit of like an accountability week where you're accountable to a post every day and that's just purely to, to make sure that you are hitting all of the targets that we've set out because like the first week's hard because you're getting to know it then you're really motivated for the first sort of three weeks. You tend to see quite a lot of weight loss during that time, whether some of it's water weight, it's still motivating. And then fat loss starts to slow. And that doesn't necessarily mean you've plateaued. That just means inevitably fat loss will slow as you have less body fat to lose, as you have less water and things to lose so that your your weight loss will slow more to the point. Um, I actually think for this specific time when I saw people hitting a wall in the group, it was more to do with coming out of lockdown 
and there being more social yeah. events, more family events, more meeting up with people for like potentially people you've not seen for months. That has been more of an impact than because you've been dieting a certain amount of time or because you need a diet break or anything like that. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I completely agree with you. It's really interesting. I tend to find it happens around the week four or five marks. Really amazing that you were like usually between week four and six. Um, And I think, yeah, I think, again, just to echo what Emma said, I think there's the initial struggle can take a week or two to get into it. Then there's the momentum. You're off to the race and that can take you know a couple weeks and then yeah I would say around week five usually I do see clients tend to be like oh you know I think there's this weird thing even if you know in your logical rational brain when I say it like that's not true and I doubt I thought that I do think there is a part of your subconscious which is like once I get in shape or once I get into it it'll be the easiest thing in the world and I'll maintain it forever and I think there is like a subconscious kind of shift where you're like oh I'm still not where I want to be, even though I'm making great progress and I'm really happy with it. This is going to take a little bit longer or like, oh, I actually really like to just have a bit of a break now. And, you know, I get it with work as well. where It's like, OK, I'd quite like to have a week off now, but you, you can't. Um, and I think it's a shift, but it does. You do get over it. It is a hump and you do come out the other side of it. Um, so I wouldn't worry because you're not going to feel like that forever. But, yeah, it does happen. And um I think Emma's right. I think coming out of lockdown, weirdly, I've noticed uh, both in this group and also with friends and family and various people, it's really interesting. It's almost like everybody was holding it together, like for for a good old period of time. And now that kind of the threads coming to come, starting to come away, and we're starting to bleed out of it, things are starting to feel a bit frazzly. I know my anxiety has gone through the roof. Not in the day, I can handle it in the day, but at night, it is. Um, it's trying me it's testing me and it is just because it's this initial change of circumstance and I had it in the beginning of lockdown and I've got it now um and I know a lot of my friends relationships are suffering work you know work life balance is suffering and I think we're in a transitionary period and this is where we all need to band together and understand that we're all human we're all in this together we can't control a lot of what's going on and we just have to kind of pep each other up and and push each other on I agree and I think like I love the way that you said your anxiety is testing you like I think that's how you should see it like yeah this is another bit of a challenge like it it might be quite hard for you to start managing social situations I think in some ways lockdown has been amazing for people on their like fat loss journey because they've got full control of everything they're not going out anywhere they're not seeing anyone and and now they have to sort of deal with all these other things that are coming into play so see it as a challenge it's the same with when, like, we always sort of say things like, you know, the workouts that count are the ones where you're not motivated. And it sounds yeah. like a cheesy, like, Instagram motivational caption. But it's so true. And it what else is true is, like, the check-ins that you don't want to do because you haven't been good that week. Those are the ones that matter. As opposed to the ones where you're like, yeah, hit everything, done everything perfect. Like, yeah, well done on those. But when you, you the week that you really need to self-assess, and make sure that you fill in the self-assessment form is the week that didn't go so well for you because you need to figure out why it didn't go so well but that will also be the week that you do not want to do a check-in or a self-assessment yeah I agree very good point okay next question I'm gonna shorten this because it's quite long so she says she stalled and dropped to 1600 calories for the last two weeks not been hitting her non-negotiables not good I want to stay in fat loss phase as I have another two stone to lose. Um, 
So know that calories will need to drop or intensity needs to increase, but I'm limited as damage to my cruciate ligament in my knee. Suggestions going forward, please. P.S. You two are the best. I think we we literally just touched on this. Like you yeah. said, you've not been sticking to your non-negotiables. There's absolute like this is our rule. Like if you have not stuck to your targets for two weeks, they are not changing unless it's you haven't stuck to them. We need to maybe increase them. Like there is no way in hell we will be lowering your calories if you have not stuck to the calories that you're already on. Yeah. Simple as. Yeah. When it comes to injuries, so that's really unfortunate about your knee, but like, and I'm going through a big injury at the moment and I, you need like, you have to choose to see it as a, as a like chance to grow in other areas because otherwise you will go crazy and you'll get depressed about it. Yeah. Like you, I know. So you've hurt your knee. That means you can make your core really strong or your upper body really strong or work on something else or make sure that you bloody rehab it properly and don't just start like exercising again like listen to your physio or to your doctor make sure that you do all of that properly that should be like a primary focus for you in terms of fat loss as long as you're still like I don't know if you can walk because that might be an issue with calorie expenditure but as long as you're sticking to your calories still you'll still lose body fat so I wouldn't worry too much about that yeah, I agree. I think um, you you say it yourself. You're not sticking to your non-negotiables. I still have two stone to lose. Should I? What should I drop? What should I do? You should stick to your non-negotiables for two or three weeks, and then see what happens. And if you're like, I have been bang on point, like, like the the what's it? The boffin in school, <laughs> boffin, lol. Um, like the boffin in school, and I'm like doing everything a plus for me. Um, and, oh yeah, <laughs> no, right. Um, and you're not dropping. Then we think about what. Okay, what can we do? Because clearly you're not in a deficit. But if you come to any any coach worth their salt, and you're like, I haven't been doing what I'm meant to be doing, but I'm not getting results. So what should I do? Do what you're meant to be doing. Done. Um, so yeah, that. And I think Emma's right. You know, obviously we're not physios, we're not doctors, we're not surgeons. So you need to speak to the appropriate people about that and get the appropriate rehab or even surgery plan. I know that with cruciate ligaments it can it's usually one or the other or both um i do know people that have rehabbed back from it without having to go into surgery which is fantastic and done it in a matter of weeks which is even more fantastic and i know people that have had to have surgery and i know people that have had to do both so um yeah make sure that you're getting a steer on that as far as i'm aware once the initial inflammation is died down you are able to walk on it and you are able to do certain exercises on it to make it stronger um which means more than ever your calories need to be in check if you can't you know if that's your limit you need to make sure that your, you know, your calories are bang on point. Um, and that's what I would say. Agreed. Plus, we have our in physio in the group. So if you're like, I'm mm. sure you will have seen someone because that's important as well. Um, although, given that we're kind of half still in lockdown, maybe you haven't. But I think you would have had to have a scan to know that that's what it is. Yeah. Surely. Yeah. Okay. You mentioned that general running shoes slash trainers don't provide a good stability for weightlifting. What footwear would you recommend? Um, Reebok do really good lifting trainers. Um, so I would look into them. Reebok have a whole CrossFit. I'm not a CrossFitter. Um, I'm also not one of those people that randomly hates CrossFitters. <laughs> so Exactly. I mean, have, like, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I think it's it's a whole form thing, but it's so you could say that for any any performance all the time all the time I'm just like yeah fine so they whatever they do it fast and you know what a, a lot of the crossfitters that I've seen in real life have great 
fantastic form. Um, anyway, so yeah, Reebok have a whole CrossFit uh, range line, which is fantastic. Um, and their trainers in particular are fantastic. That's what I would recommend. Um, you know, James really, my husband really likes lifting barefoot, but I will say one thing. I have seen a lot of people on that like deadlift platform squat rack um, in oh. socks. It's awful. In socks and they'll load the bar, obviously, and they'll go down and like feet go right under them. So I would say be very, very careful with that. Um, but yeah, I'd say Reebok. Emma? I, I wasn't totally sure what you were going to say. And I thought, like, I mean, you could get lifting shoes, but you don't really need them unless you're like powerlifting or Olympic lifting or something. Uh, and yeah, I actually really like, I think, or they're called, I think you get Nike ones as well, like Nanos or something, but they're quite a good hybrid between, yeah. okay. you, you know, like you obviously wouldn't wear lifting shoes anywhere apart from on the platform. Whereas these ones yeah. are like, they've got a solid base, but they're also a trainer. I don't really like, and I, I don't know why, I think it, in my head, I'm just like, it looks too casual when people wear like Converse oh I don't like it a lot of bodybuilders do that actually and I don't I just don't think it's good footwear like I blame Converse like it's great like I love how it looks but I blame Converse for me having shin splints pretty accurately um I, what I will say is Converse like, um, if you're listening yeah Converse I like you look good but you wreck me like like every hot man of all time ever um but what I will say is that yeah in terms of footwear it's uh Really, it's what do you feel comfortable in, number one, and what can you execute whatever activity it is you're doing in. I mean, and it is different for everyone. We've talked about this before, um, and I do actually think it's more important for... Um, sorry, sorry, that's me. I was just I was checking. Like, me, what happened? Me and my dad's... What are these earphones? Like, I feel my dad thinks he's Jack Reacher. I swear he will have just bought these because they've got this little thing here. <laughs> anyway. I used to love that on my old ones. I'd be like... Hello. And then you look yep. weird with, because you look like cross and stuff. Anyway, yeah, Nike. Yeah. People are people are also saying in the comments, nanos, Nike nanos. Yeah, Nike nanos. People love them. I've never ever bought a pair, but maybe I'll look into it. Yes. Okay. Next question. This may be the most stupid question of all time, but here goes. Yes. I've I've read ahead, and it's actually a very good question. So, does the caloric value of food ever change during cooking? For example, is the caloric value of roast vegetables simply the sum of A, the caloric value of the raw veg, plus B, the caloric value of the oil? I've written a whole post on this before, so I've Googled, like I've looked back on my, should I read it? Well, yeah, yeah, but I would say the latter point kind of answers the question. Like, if you're cooking, so first of all, the weight, so if you're cooking something in something, like oil or butter of course like you that's going to add calories to it and that's why when you eat out don't forget to add in like a tablespoon of oil or butter or something because it's going to add to the to the caloric value of it uh the weight of food will also change its caloric value and the weight of food will change when you're cooking so when you're tracking you need to make sure that you're tracking either the dry weight or the cooked weight because it, it will differ and if you're putting in like a dry weight for a cooked weight that's different um yeah as far as like going like deeper cooked, um rice instead of dry rice or something because yeah. you get a hell of a lot of calories yeah um but in terms of like the actual going deeper into the science of food changing caloric value at different consistencies and or temperatures i don't know emma well i'm glad you asked <laughs> well. right well, i will precursor this with it does not matter like it's not yeah a, like ridiculous amount although some examples are quite interesting so 
This is a very Louisa question, by the way. If anyone remembers Louisa <laughs> from round one, she yeah, would ask these kinds of questions every day, and we'd be like, "It doesn't really matter." But like, every day she'd come back with another one. One calories that in this drink. I'm like, well, <laughs> probably not. Um, yeah, go on. Okay, so just to like give a little bit of background, so we tend to measure calories, like use calories as a measure of energy. And the method by which we assess the caloric content of food is burning it in this, like, called oh. a bomb calorimeter. Calorimeter. Nailed it. It's very hard word to say. Anyway, and then that inside that, like, box, it burns everything to a crisp. Okay, so the, the main problem here is we are not that box and we do not burn things to a crisp. So examples <laughs> of that, like, here's a crude one, like, when you eat sweet corn. It comes out the other side and you can see that you've eaten sweet corn. You have not digested all of the calories in that sweet corn quite clearly. Um, but it, so there's there's that in terms of caloric availability. There's, there's that in that sometimes we don't break down the whole food and the amount of fibre in will reduce the caloric availability as well. Yeah. But also when we change the consistency of foods. So a good example is celery. So when you eat raw celery, it has about six calories in per like per stick yeah but when you cook celery it's closer to 30 calories because it's like digested it so we can't like food is is changed yeah yeah, well one it takes us some calories to digest it but that's actually even like aside from that it's that we don't because you know like all the stringy stuff like we can't break that down whereas when you cook it you can and then you can absorb those calories so it's not a huge amount and then, as you just mentioned, on top of that, you've got the caloric effect of food, which means that, like, okay, if you ate protein, it's going to take about 30% of the calories that you've eaten to digest that protein and, and assimilate it and whatever you're going to do with it in the body. If you eat carbohydrates, it's going to take about 5 to 10% of the calories in the carbohydrates yeah. to process. When you eat fat, it's only about 3%. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it, there are like all these are complete nuances. Like you do not need to to like worry about these things. But I always use it as a point, and like I go on about this all the time. And I think it's because you'll get. I think this is one thing that gripes me a bit in the fitness industry. Like you'll get somebody's like a, a personal trainer giving you like exactly the right amount of like calories, fats, proteins, all this stuff. Yeah. And then you try and just like say like loosen the reins a little bit because none of this. Like there are so many things that are gonna like mean that that's not exactly accurate, including the caloric availability of food, including yeah. different thermic effects of food, um, including the form that they're in. Like, so for example, I am willing to bet that it takes more calories to break down and digest a piece of chicken breast than it does if you drank the same amount of calories in milk. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Or if it's cooked or if it's raw. So, yeah. I just like that's the point of this like if I ever tell people about this as as clients the point I'm trying to make is stop being so damn anal about things like yeah you you cannot know all of this stuff and and nor would you like imagine your life if you tried to eat in accordance like right okay so this is what calorie says but But even then it would be even then it would all be wrong I mean this is this is it like everything all the numbers that this is based on is a guessing game and Emma's completely right so if you're trying to be bang on point in the guessing game 
in your own guessing game. So I mean, under the umbrella of the guessing game, <laughs> under the umbrella of your own guessing game, it's or it doesn't matter. It's like an onion of, of guessing, guessing game. games. Yeah, exactly. And Em is completely right. So anyone who has, I think it's in my last book. Well, see, I talk about um, TDE, so total daily energy expenditure, and you break it down with BMR, basal metabolic rate. So just what your body burns at rest just to survive, just to function, even when you're asleep, okay? Then it goes to NEAT, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So what I'm doing right now, moving around, going for a walk, cleaning the kitchen, you know, doing a food shop, all of that is NEAT. Then it goes to EA, exercise activity. That's what you guys are doing when we give you a training plan when I'm in the gym. I'm forcing my body to move for exercise activity. And the last one on that list is TEF. That's the thermic effects of food. And as Emma said, it goes like protein and fiber specifically are the highest, right? At around about that 30% mark. Carbohydrates in kind of their simpler carbohydrates form around about that, what is it, 10% mark? Yeah, 5%. Fats around about that 4% mark. Yeah, exactly. Now... What is we want you having protein and fiber for reasons outside of the thermic effect of food, like for, for, for gut health, for, you know, muscle protein synthesis, for, you know, the fact that these are the way your micronutrients your vitamins and minerals are the fact that this is where you're that, you know, your essential amino acids are, you know, and carbs and fats, your energy macros. And we get we want you to have them kind of equally to help you adhere to the diet to kind of stay within your calories, but also to keep you healthy and nutritionally sound. Emma and I are not in any way, shape or form trying to calculate how much of everything you should be having based on the TEF. So I tend to get to that one when I've kind of explained the other three. And then I'm like, don't worry so much about this. This is what it is. OK, and now we move on because you're going to drive yourself completely insane if you get that pedantic about it. And it, you're not going to do anything. So what's the point? Yeah. And also it's like sometimes it sounds like a lot, but it's t- it's usually roughly 10 percent of your total calorie intake that yeah. makes up thermic effects of food so if you think about like okay what can I control out of my total daily energy expenditure it always comes back to neat and eat so exercise and activity yeah but those are your two variables the other ones like we put in there to explain things but your basal metabolic rate will come down as you become a smaller person nothing you yeah. can do about it your thermic you know, effects of food though. what no go on no go on finish, finish. Say, your thermic effects of food will come down as you eat less like even if you've got a very high protein diet, it's going to make, you know, it'll make a small difference, but it's not like in, when you still look at it again, like, okay, what can I actually adhere to? Like, could I actually eat 180 grams of protein a day? Probably just about, but it's going to be really hard within my calories and to not shit my pants. Yeah. It'll be punchy. That is a punchy goal. I mean, even I, like I eat a lot of protein and even I would really struggle with it. I think I struggle to get over 150 when I'm pushing it. Um, There's no need though. Well, I was going to say, I didn't think about obviously completely right. Like if, so the answer is yes, it does change because you're completely right. What you said about salary and I've never thought about it before. Obviously, your body's going to work harder to break down a piece of stalk of raw celery than if you basically boil it to mush um it can process it a lot easier and extract the calories a lot easier which is just really interesting because i just never thought about it mm. but the fact that i've never thought about it and this is what i do yeah well, that's what, that, that shows how like almost irrelevant it is yeah but, it, it, but loads of foods change like that so that's not even the thermic effects of food in that case that's just we do like we will pass through like the fibrous parts of celery that would just pass out we won't get the nutrients from that or we won't get the calories from that more to the point whereas when yeah. it becomes cooked then we can absorb it 
and there's quite yeah. a lot of um especially more fibrous foods like that and even yeah. things like how pasta changes when it's been cooked yeah. and cooled is uh, it's yeah, interesting like carbs, but it's like irrelevant carbs take on water so you do have to be a little bit more aware when you're tracking carbs whether you're tracking a raw or cooked weight um, and usually usually it, it's a raw weight because obviously once it's cooked and it's taken on water it can be quite cumbersome to weigh so yeah we we kind of that's cumbersome. what it tends to be cumbersome that's mike's word which he uses all the time and i've just it's a great it. word okay. Mm-hmm. um okay someone okay this has come up a few times in the group so this is my first time in a conscious healthy fat loss program at the grand age of 50 I haven't dared control food intake since teenage anorexia. It's gone really well and I'm pleased, but I truly don't know what to do next. My stubborn fat is at the bottom of my back and my inner thighs. I feel pretty lean elsewhere. How do you know when it's time to to move away from fat loss and start building muscle? Um, I'm unsure. That is what I want to do in the future, but I'm unsure of when to make the move. Firstly, I see that as like, not to blow our own trumpets, but a huge win for how we coach and do the program that you know like oh like anorexia is an awful disease and obviously you don't want to put too much restriction on that on on your diet because that might lead you back into ways that obviously weren't benefiting you previously yeah yeah um but the fact that you've been able to do this in a like balanced way not feeling over restricted being aware of that like that's massive for you like that yeah that's a huge and, and to keep your mindset in a healthy place. And I love that you've said a healthy fat loss program. And my answer would yeah. be, so this has come up a few times in the group, not with the anorexia context. So it's slightly different. I mean, with the anorexia context, I probably wouldn't try and get much leaner. Like it sounds like you're in a pretty lean and healthy place. You've got a bit of stubborn body fat. We all have a bit of stubborn body fat. That's the way life is. Now let's move on to looking at some performance and, and, and like muscle building goals. I think that for you. But quite a few people have asked on in the group, like putting up pictures and being like, Chloe and Emma, do you think I'm ready to move into a muscle building phase? Like, am yeah. I lean enough? The, yeah. the answer is, if you are in a healthy range, we don't care. Like, to, and to a large extent, we actually don't care what you look like as long as you look, feel and perform at your best. Like, if you're healthy, if you're strong, if you're enjoying life, if you're carrying a little bit of excess body fat in a healthy range, great. Who cares? Like, you don't have to be the leanest in the group. I certainly don't want to be the leanest in the group. Like, it's not about that. But I think that people are a little bit like, oh, am I ready to move? You have to decide. It's your goal. We're here to support you towards your goal. And as long as you're not too low body fat or too high body fat, and there's a huge, like, it's not like a small, oh, I'm just the right body fat. It's a massive gray area in between. If you're somewhere in there, great. You do what you feel and we'll support you towards your goal. Yeah, I agree. I think there's there's a few, just so everybody knows, I'm sure there's some people who are hesitant to talk about it, and that's completely fine. You don't have to. Or like me, word vomit all the time. Um, there's a lot of people in our group who have come from uh, binge eating disorder backgrounds, bulimic backgrounds, anorexic backgrounds, ED backgrounds, eating disorder backgrounds. Um, and 
I just want to say that so far on a, on like quite a private communication that I've managed to have with some of them, even though we're still not getting through all the messages on the app, but we're working on fixing that. Um, you've all done so well. Please do not think it is lost on me because I grew up with friends who very, very nearly lost their lives to eating disorders. Please don't think it's lost on me like how incredible it is that you have even had a run of a week where you've managed to get something like that under control. Um, and also the fact that you're able to recognize it and pat yourself on the back for it. It's so impressive. And it is, it is an incredibly hard thing to tackle and beat. And I'm so proud of so many of you. And, I, and I, I'm proud. I'm sorry, I am proud of Emma and I, because that is a coup. I mean, I'm really happy with that. That makes my whole career worthwhile. Like, I really had some horrible experiences with friends growing up. And I'm just really amazed. Um, I would say exactly what Emma said. It is so incredibly subjective when you think or feel like you're ready to come out of fat loss and into muscle building, or when you think and feel like if you have that background and you've gained some weight, you feel like you can control a fat loss phase. I mean, it is so incredibly important to you, your mental state and your body. Now, this is what I would say to like a general client who was like, I think I still have a little bit more fat loss to go. I'd quite like to push it a little bit further. No problem. We can push it a bit further. We can spend a bit longer in a fat loss phase. We can we can push and see like where can we get you in the next, you know, four to six weeks, right? And see what happens. Um, I have no issue with that. And if you read my file on changing lanes, I talk about when I would actually be like, no, you're lean enough, and it's happened before. You're lean enough. I I'm not, I don't want to be the coach that gets you leaner than you are now because you won't look well and it doesn't look good for me. So I don't want to do that. Or actually, no, we've been in a fat loss phase for six months. This is enough now. You have a life and your body is worth more than this. Enough, right? And also there are times when I'm like, you know what, you're not responding. So We've been doing this for months. You're in a calorie deficit. You're on 1,200 calories. No, this isn't working. We need to go the other way with it. Um, and there are times in that document I talk about when I will pull you out. However, if none of these things apply to you, if you're not super duper lean, if you um, haven't been in a fat loss phase for six plus months, if you're not on flawed calories and not moving, I'm happy for my clients to stay in a fat loss phase. However, I will say it's different for everybody. The end goal, what the goal is, is different for everyone. And I would also say that, as Emma said, if you're happy, if you're healthy, if you like how you look and you've got some stubborn fat stores and you don't really care, I think, yeah, let's go into muscle building. And especially if you know that you have a tendency or it's not a tendency, it's a personality trait. And it's not necessarily a bad personality trait when it's channeled in the right way. If you have a tendency to kind of get quite pedantic and quite dogmatic about things and your body and how you see everything, I would say be careful. Be careful with yourself because you, you don't want to push yourself to a point where you go past the point of no return and the train's out the station and the horse is bolted and you can't get it back. So Do you want to just put in another metaphor? Anymore. This I know. I'm so, my I'm so my father's daughter. I am Jack Reacher child. Um, and I would just say be, be careful. Be mindful. So, yes, we can push it a bit more if you want to. But I don't know if that's going to suit you. And ultimately, remember that health and fitness encompasses your physical and mental emotional and medicinal health and fitness it encompasses all of those things so no point in giving up three to achieve one because you're not fit and you're not healthy so just think think about it and yeah as emma said sorry to rant on people who are putting up photos of yourselves in the group it can be really helpful in in certain circumstances like diet breaks refeeds blah, blah, blah. um asking us am i ready we cannot answer that it is completely subjective to you yes <laughs> i i agree and i think just before we move on from like we've touched a little bit on eating disorders like 
if you currently have an eating disorder, do not join. Like, like you need to have proper treatment. Like, we are not qualified yeah. eating disorder specialists. No. We will be able to refer you to someone who is, and yeah. and hopefully will get help. But like, if you're saying, oh, you know, I suffered with this, like when I was a teenager and I'm now fifty, that like, I mean, that then we're happy to work with you as long as you are honest with us and I think that's the main thing like if you're saying you know what I'm, I feel over restricted and I'm starting to feel like I used to feel cool we stop like or, and maybe you go back and see whoever you were seeing who helped you before or yeah. whatever it is but it's not worth like Chloe's just said that's put so well like it's not worth risking all of the other factors of your health especially your mental well-being for, for looking a certain way or for one factor of being like very lean yeah like it's not worth Emma's it right if you have it currently or you've been through it in a in a very recent period of time and i do mean in the last couple of years we are not the coaches for you there are coaches that specialize in this and I, but that doesn't mean that there's no hope for you i have seen amazing things i've seen bodybuilders who i mean jesus look at the current miss olympia what she called Issa pacini Oh my God, what she has done to her body and she came from that past. Um, there are people who specialize in it and you you can find them and you will you will fly. But I think, yeah, for a group coaching with you know, 400 people and, you know, there are better methods for you. Yeah. And also, well, yeah, there's a, like, you know, we've got a big amount of people. So it's hard for us to work one to one with you and keep a like really good eye on you. Um, but also it is like, it's gonna, like, we're all helping each other lose body fat mostly like there are some like building muscle is obviously a huge part of it but for a large part of it it's fat loss and and if everyone's encouraged 